Good morning. I'm very excited to be with you today. Thank you, Pastor Alex, for this invitation. We're in the third week of our series, New Chapter, Same Hope, as we look at what God might say to us through the book of Isaiah. We're going to take communion at the end of the service, so if you made it in without the elements, would you just go back right now and pick them up? They're at the two tables back there, and also there's some in the balcony. And while you're doing that, I will do a little review for us. In the first week of our series, Alex kind of gave us the big picture, talked about uh, the difficult times that we're in right now with the pandemic and the racial tensions and with the presidential election just around the corner, and that has a lot of folks very nervous. But he said, you know, this is nothing new for God's people because there have always been these two kingdoms, the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. And he challenged us to be good citizens in the kingdom of man. That's where we live. We have important responsibilities as Christians to uh, be active in the political area and such. But that we should never put our hope in the kingdoms of man. But our hope is in the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom becomes realized for us when we make Jesus our king, when we allow him to rule in our hearts, and when we put our faith in him and him alone. And then in the second week, last week, he preached powerfully out of Isaiah chapter 6 about the encounter that Isaiah had with God where he stands before a holy God and in light of God's holiness, he sees his unholiness. He says, woe is me confesses his sin. God touches his lips with the hot coals, which is a symbol of his forgiveness, and God commissions Isaiah. And Isaiah responds by saying, Here am I, Lord, send me. And Alex said, We need to have that same kind of experience with God where we see God for who he is and we see us for who we are, where we confess our sins and receive his forgiveness and receive his commissioning and respond to him the same way Isaiah did by saying, here am I, send me. One of the things Alex did last week was to give a little historical context because if you remember the passage started off by saying, in the, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he talked a little bit about that reign of King Uzziah. And I want to do a little bit more historical context for us. Isaiah was written between the time period of 700 B.C. and 680 B.C. And these were difficult times for the nation of Israel. A couple of things in particular. One was the Assyrian Empire, which was on the rise and threatening to attack. Another one was the division that existed in Israel at the time. This was the time where there were two kingdoms, the northern kingdom with the ten tribes and the southern kingdom with the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And so the people not only had this struggle of conflict and division within their country, but they were very afraid of attack from outside forces. And the reason I think it's important for us to understand the situation into which this prophecy was written is because I think there are a lot of similarities between them and us. Would you not agree that this is a time of great division in our country as we face this presidential election? Maybe as never before. Now, wouldn't you agree that 
There is a serious threat to the biblical foundations upon which our nation was founded. So it's into that context that I want us to look at these two passages of Scripture from Isaiah. Prophecies about Jesus the Messiah. And there are lots of messianic prophecies, but I just want to look at the two of them. And I want just to remind you, keep in mind that there's 700 years difference between when these prophecies were written and when Jesus actually came. And I think you will see how spot on these prophecies are as they talk about Jesus. So let's look at the first one together, which is Isaiah 11. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And so let's talk about a stump. You would agree with me that when you think about a stump, you don't think about much life, do you? A stump is what's left after the tree has been cut down. And I think Isaiah was trying to say that's what Israel is like right now. Seemingly lifeless and useless. And I would say that that same thing could be said about us without Christ. But he says that there is going to be a shoot that will come out of this stump. The lineage of Jesse. And we know that this branch that will bear much fruit is referring to Jesus. So let's look at what it says about Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom, wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth sounds like Jesus doesn't it I love the emphasis on Jesus passion for the poor we see that as a theme throughout Jesus ministry and then the second passage I want us to look at is one of the most powerful and often quoted passages in all of scripture prophecies about Jesus it's Isaiah chapter 53 and as I read these words, and I'm going to read the whole chapter, I just want to ask you to just reflect on the amazing love that Jesus has for you as you hear these words. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We, all like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? 
for he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Wow. What is the picture you see there? of Jesus, what is it that jumps out to you? For me, it's his love for us. That he was willing to experience the pain and the rejection of the cross, that he offered his very life because he loves us so much. Another thing that I hope you saw is that this prophecy doesn't leave Jesus in the grave. Did you notice that? You see verse 11? After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. We know what that's talking about, don't we, friends? Resurrection time. <laughs> that's right, Benjamin. Resurrection time. You got it. We celebrate that Jesus not only suffered for our sins, but that God raised him from the dead. Resurrection time so that we can live in the hope and victory of Jesus. That's the message, friends. That's the message of this series. That's the message of today. Jesus. Jesus is our hope. And in case you haven't seen it yet, there's a sign right behind me. Big sign that says, Jesus. That's it. Jesus. So, I don't, I don't know who's going to win the election. But I do know that that has absolutely no bearing on the fact that I can live my life in hope through Jesus. Amen? Amen? Yes. Amen. That's so good. And I kind of want to just stop right there and stay at that crescendo point and lead us into communion, but I really feel like that I want to talk with us about what that looks like for us. And I want to talk to maybe someone here that doesn't know Jesus. Maybe you haven't received that gift of eternal life. Maybe you're watching online. 
And all that you heard in this prophecy about Jesus and his amazing love for you and his suffering. You need to understand something. That forgiveness is not a blanket sort of thing that just automatically applies to everyone. No, you have to invite Jesus to forgive your sins. You have to do your part, which is to repent, which means to decide that you're no longer going to live independently of Jesus, but that you're going to embrace him, that you're going to invite him to be your forgiver and the leader of your life, and to have faith to put your trust in Jesus to do what he has promised in your life. If that's you today, I wouldn't be surprised if your heart is pounding a little more right now. And if so, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I want to challenge you to make that decision today. You're going to have time in just a little bit. It's the most important decision you will ever make in your life is to decide to follow Jesus. Most of us in this room have already made that decision, so I would like to talk with you about what our response is to this message that Jesus is our hope. You see, I I think it's possible that we can agree with the message. That we can say, yeah, Jesus is my hope. But not really live in this moment by moment personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. See, I'm not just talking about a good idea. I'm talking about a person who's here right now by His Spirit speaking to us. Agreeing with the idea That Jesus is our hope and living in that hope every day through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit are two very different things. Do you understand what I'm trying to say today? And I believe what it looks like to respond today is to be right here. And I want to just talk about that, if it's okay with you, by talking about Jesus in my life. And I'm a little nervous to do that because this is not about me. Alex talked last week about the importance of humility, and I understand that I am nothing without Jesus. But it is my life, it's my experience, and I can talk about it easily. So for me... This is where I want to be. I want to know Jesus more and more every day and follow him. And so, usually for me, that starts at the very beginning of my day. Usually my very first waking thought is, thank you, Jesus, for a good night's sleep. Thank you for this day to serve you. Then I just spend some time with Jesus, I start off by praising Him. And then I invite His Spirit to talk to me 
about my yesterday experience. How did I do, Jesus, at following you, serving you? And sometimes the Holy Spirit convicts me. When he does, I confess that. I thank him for his forgiveness, that he's just doing his job, helping conform me to the image of Christ. Often the Holy Spirit affirms me and says, you did good, you were obedient. And I say, oh, thank you, Jesus. That's the most important thing in my life is to be obedient to you. And then I focus on this day, the day that's coming, and I say, Jesus, show me what you want me to do. What's my mission for this day? And I listen, I get out my calendar. Then once I, I feel like I have a sense of clarity about my mission, I just pray a prayer of faith. Jesus, I trust you to work through me today. Use me today. Make this day count for you, Jesus. And I'm ready. Ready for the day. Usually the first person I see is my wife, Linda. I've been married to her for 41 years. I know that my relationship with Linda is the most important human relationship in my life because Jesus has called me to love her and serve her as he loved and served the church and gave his life for the church. These days with the presidential election coming around the corner are a little challenging because she and I are at different places in our thinking about politics. So, you can imagine that has the potential to cause some strain in our relationship. But Jesus is helping me to love her above trying to get her to think the way I think. I praise him for that. Besides loving my wife, I know that Jesus has called me not only to walk with him, but to take others with me to disciple others to spend time with him, with them. And so that's one of the great joys of my life. And one of the things that I've experienced in 40 years of trying to live out this call is that many of the people that I disciple at, at the beginning are more comfortable talking about Jesus with me than really talking to Jesus. Big difference there. And so one of the things that I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help them talk less and less about Jesus and more and more to Jesus and listening to Jesus because I know that once they experience his presence, his power, his love, everything changes. Jesus has also called me to share the gospel with those that don't know him. I'm very excited to share with you that I have a relationship in my life right now, somebody that I've met that has told me they don't know Jesus but are interested in hearing more about him. And so I'm really excited about that and pray that God will use me to help lead her to Christ very soon. And I'll be really anxious to share with you when that happens. Jesus invites me to be a good steward of my body. After all, it's not my body, it's his body. So he calls me to get regular exercise. And for me, 
my favorite way to do that is to play golf and to look for golf balls. That works for me. I love the game. I love to be out in a beautiful place. And I feel like a little kid when I'm out there looking for golf balls, which I sell, which then Jesus uses to help provide for me and my family. So I'm very grateful for those opportunities. I could go on and on, but I think you're getting the point. The point is, I just want you to see a picture of somebody whose commitment is to live in hope, not just agree about the idea of Jesus at home as their hope. And guess what? It gets even better. Because guess, ha- guess what happens after we die? After I breathe my last, I'm going to be with Jesus. Wow. Got an awesome text a couple weeks ago from my friend Jim Tankersley. Jim is a dear friend of mine. He loves Jesus like me. His health has been deteriorating, and a couple weeks ago, He knew he was at the end, and so he summoned his energy to send me a text. I want you to look at his text. Dale, going to meet Jesus tonight. Wow. He was in Florida. I couldn't be there physically. I picked up the phone. I tried to call him. He didn't answer. So I left him this response. Hey, Jim, I just left a message on your voicemail. I want you to know that I'm a little jealous for you. If I don't get to see you on this side of heaven, I'll see you on the other side. I love you. I've been thinking a lot about Jim these days because he's with Jesus. Right now, in a place where there's no pain, there's no sorrow, there's no suffering. And I'm going to be there. Jesus is going to welcome me with an arms. He's going to say, well done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so beautifully, so perfectly. Thank you for just offering your very life so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be reconciled to you. Thank you for the victory of the resurrection so that we can live in hope. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I I pray for that person right now that doesn't know you. I pray that right now in this moment, they will invite you to be their forgiver and the leader of their life. Jesus, I don't know what you're saying to the rest of us, but I know you're here. I sense your presence powerfully. 
So we're just going to give you time and space to speak to us. Maybe you want to talk to us about our choices of growing in intimacy with you, of serving you. I don't know what you want to say, but you know where every person is. And right now you're speaking. So we're listening, Jesus. Jesus.